The race is on and it looks like heartaches And the winner loses all Hello and welcome to Baby Talk. This is our show for Saturday, July 29th, talking about racing today and also a little bit tomorrow. We are brought to you by our friends at Gainesway. And from Gainesway, we bring in right now Ben Gowans. Ben, how are things? Good, Pete. Thanks for having me back. Uh, just back back to the Saratoga house after a, a morning of watching training. Uh, Saturday mornings uh, offer plenty of action, so there's plenty oh, yeah. to see out there this morning. Yeah, what any highlights? Anything? Anybody stand out who you clapped eyes on this morning? Um, not necessarily. Uh, some some two year olds breezing. Um, saw a few older horses as well. Uh, Charge it uh, in his last breeze for the the Whitney. He's always a very good workhorse, but uh, he breezed he breezed well this morning. Yeah, that's one of those fun things sometimes where you'll see a two-year-old unraced and you, you say you, you have the marks to go on and you have the saddle cloth. So it's like, Oh, who's that? Who, let, let's find a Pletcher two-year-old with a, with a big white blaze. <laughs> you try to figure out which one it is. That yeah, is. of course. White bridal, white blaze, <laughs> exactly. put, put the pieces together. <laughs> it's kind of one of the fun things about getting out there in the morning. Something that I'm going to do as the meet goes on. I'm still, still feel like I'm settling in here just a few days in town. But always love looking at these two-year-old races on the weekend. And we'll start off with one that we actually spoke about on the other show because it kicks off the pick six today. But really wanted to pull you in to get your thoughts on this seventh race at Saratoga today. We've got these two-year-old maidens going six and a half, which I think is interesting. You know, the six and a half this early uh, in the year still for our two-year-olds, it it could portend some horses that are going to be stretching out and making some noise later and a lot of the chatter in here centering around the forerunner Dornak, the full to mage a horse that there's definitely been some buzz around for Danny Gargan uh, based on the pedigree and based on that four furlong work in uh, 46 and two the other day from the gate best of 119 have you seen this horse what are you hearing about this horse so what do you think we'll see today from Dornak and the rest of these two-year-olds in the seventh yeah, it's obviously been well documented that that Danny likes this horse quite a bit. Um, he's liked him for a long time. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, Mage won one first time out earlier this year, um, but he did not get to the race until he was three. And, and and Puka, you know, it took her a few races to get going as well. She was a good two year old, but but she she was a better router. Um, and you know, this horse did breeze forty six and two last week, but he didn't break that sharply. So I'm not sure if, you know, we often see in these Saratoga maidens that, that it's beneficial to be toward the front. Um, and I'm not sure that this horse has the speed to necessarily make the front. Um, we'll, we'll see how he breaks uh, this afternoon. I ended up uh, picking Lambo as an alternative in this spot, a runner who had one of the one of the angles that I always talk about on the shows, bet really hard and then d- didn't break particularly well. The thought being they're bet hard because they have speed. Lambo not able to fully show his speed. I thought not sure what was going on with the boring out in the stretch, but seemed like one that could be a reasonably priced alternative. What did you think about? Uh, what did you think about this one? What did you think about the rest of this field? Yeah, I, I love your point about um, horses that are that are bet first time out, uh, especially for good connections when they come back right away. Uh, it, it was a bit odd. That's that's you know his his first race. He he um, he did try to get out a little bit. Um, but he was well clear of the rest of the field. 
he had a very impressive work during the OBS March sale and brought plenty of money. Uh, and he's trained well. I watched him breeze up here and he's trained well up here and, and would expect him to improve second time. You know, like you said earlier, this, the six and a half distance, some it's going to take a, a foundation to win and, and having some experience is certainly not a bad thing. Yeah, I did. That, that that makes uh, plenty of sense. Looking for that, looking for that added experience, especially if you can find one that's going to be a little bit of a price. What about the rest of this field? Anybody else you're particularly interested either in seeing in the flesh for later or potentially as one to wager on later this afternoon? Sure, sure. One horse, uh, global perspective, the son of Tappet, uh, half to Rowayton. Uh, Rowayton was a very good two-year-old himself. Uh, and this horse uh, is runs for Chad and Clarebitch Stables. You know, Chad has a lot of horses to choose from to run these maidens, and he chooses to run this horse here. Um, his his works have been good, uh, nothing overly flashy, but he's a pretty efficient mover, and he looks like uh, he should should be ready to run first time out. Um, he's an interesting horse to point out for sure. Uh, another horse I thought was a little interesting was uh, Holton, the, the number three, the son of American Pharaoh, out of a, a very fast mare in Catherine the Wise. Uh, she was a very, very good race mare, uh, daughter of Uncle Mo, and this is the first foal out of her, and he runs first time out for Mike Maker. He has a um, two back, the, the five furlong breeze at, at Belmont, catches the eye, and he has a few uh, what look to be, uh, there's no clocker notes down at Belmont, but what looked to be good gate work. So, you know, he's another interesting horse that kind of look, look at the board and, and see if, if he's getting bet, he could be live as well. Are there any assumptions made within the industry when it comes to first foals? Are they typically, you know, how does a first, and maybe there's no answer to this, but a mare's first fall, how do they typically compare physically to foals that come down the line or is there no correlation or, or no um, I think on average you know the the people would say first foals can might be a little smaller um, a little weaker but um, if they've if they've made it this this far you know to a to a maid in Saratoga you sort of just have to see them in the in the um, in the paddock and go from there the only other thing I wanted to pick up on with uh, with this race, global perspective, you mentioned work's not flashy. Very rare for a Chad Brown trainee to have flashy works, even as a even as a, a two year old, right? Just the way he trains, he seems a bit absolutely, more- yeah, yeah. Train Chad trains everything, you know, to to train when they breeze. They're you know being held by their riders, and you know they're they're clicking off twelves every furlong, um, and he wants everything to you know. Uh, finish in a hold and gallop out well. So, so you're exactly right. So I'm not too concerned about that. And that, that is, that is an interesting point. Maybe one uh, at a decent price there too. global perspective to add to your mix in this pick six, if you're not willing to get stuck into one of these shorter priced runners, let's go down to the Jersey shore. We'll talk about two Monmouth races on this show, starting with the uh, starting, starting with the Philly stake today with a hundred thousand in the pot. And uh, we're going five furlongs on the turf. With this field of nine, I'm curious what you what you see when you look at this field. If if anybody stands out, another chance to talk about uh, Omaha Beach with the uh, Omaha Girl. Um, but lots of different ways to go. I think from a betting point of view, what's interesting to you? Yeah, I thought uh, Amidst Waves stood out here. She's uh, four to one in the morning line, but I, I doubt from a gambling perspective you'll get that at, at, at post time. She beat a filly called Kodiak Wintergreen, who came back to win impressively up here last week. 
uh, and amidst waves, I thought was extremely impressive breaking her maiden. She sat right off the pace and, and blasted home. And I do like that she she did sit just off the pace because there's plenty of fillies who have the one start in here and went gate to wire. Um, but I'm, I like that she sat right behind, and I think she will do that again today. Like you said, Omaha girl, uh, she actually puts blinkers on after her debut. Uh, she won on dirt, the daughter of Omaha Beach. She is uh, out of a tap at Mayor Anchorage, and Anchorage is the dam of Abon, who we have become familiar with over the years uh, at longer distances, but he is a, a very good turf runner. So she certainly could move up on turf. Another point about amidst waves that it's not like that was earned on June 11th with the benefit of some great setup. It was sitting off of a slow pace, closing well anyway, and you know the fractions just getting faster along the way. And we've talked about a few already. We'll talk about a few more before the show's over. George Weaver just particularly having a good year, it seems like, with the with two-year-olds. So uh, very curious to see how that one runs, as well as Omaha Girl. Any others in there worth noting from a pedigree or potential wagering point of view? Sure. Another Philly that broke remain at Belmont was She's Fire for Kevin Rice. We've seen Flame Away. Uh, the Flame Away is... Uh, you know, he was only stood for a, a ten thousand dollar fee his his first year at Stud, but but they were good looking horses uh, at the sales, and and they're running pretty well here early on. Uh, and, and she broke her maiden nicely at Belmont. Uh, she'll be an, a, a pace presence as well, and and wouldn't be surprised if she, if she's there at the end also. Yeah, listed at seven to two on the morning morning line as the second choice. Very hard to know how they're going to bet in here. I, I think there's there's definitely a lot of X factors, and I could see a lot of support coming for amidst waves, as you were saying. But a race I'm very interested in watching. Speaking of which, let's head out to the West Coast for our third race on Saturday that we're going to talk about. I thought this fifth at Del Mar was fascinating, carding a mile turf race for these two-year-old maiden fillies uh, while we're still in July. And just up and down, I thought there were so many interesting pedigrees in here. Where's your eye drawn as far as making a wager? Uh, Phil D'Amato. <laughs> uh, Phil DeMa- the Phil D'Amato import um, coming from uh, the Cura. She was purchased privately after that race. She ran on well. Uh, went back and watched that race in late May. and She ran on well to finish third. Uh, she comes in with a few breezes for Phil D'Amato, uh, and he's very successful with this move. I, I, I know I, he, he's won materials at this meet off the plane in the past, and uh, she she sort of stands out. Uh, for me, there's another filly for Doug O'Neill coming in from France, Dara Calix. Uh, I'll let you pronounce uh, the name of that yeah. one. But I would prefer uh, Phil's filly, um, Lottery, I guess we'll go with. Yeah, Lottery, Lottery, Lottery I guess if you want to yeah. be technical about it. Yeah, and. Angeletta, excuse me. I do the double L's in Italian this early. Um, I'm interested. I mean, Calix, obviously, son of Kingman, uh, very high hopes. I haven't, I, I should have pulled the stats here, but, uh, and, and seeing what the Calixes are doing so far, but certainly interesting on pedigree. And maybe having that second start also for uh, Angeletta could be, could be advantageous. Haven't really, uh, haven't really heard much in the way of buzz, but based on having, even if it's in the provinces, having French stakes form means that's one you're going to definitely want to take a, take a look at. How about the firsters in here? Any, anything that, uh, and anything that, 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 that 
caught your eye as far as horses that don't have any form yet. I, I got a chance to to see Walk Don't Run in her stall the other day doing my little Ryan Hansen stable tour. And uh, I, I was curious to see what she does. I mean, it's just so tough to debut going a mile against some of these imports that, that, you know, might be hard to bet today, but certainly interested to follow her progress, the daughter of Run Happy. Yeah, she's out of a, a mare, Triune, who, who was a proficient turf runner, and she had speed herself. Um, and, and this really comes from a, a two-year-old sale, daughter run happy. Wouldn't be she has some some fast gate breezes, so wouldn't be surprised if if she is able to to be forward from that outside draw. But I think uh, experience uh, will will probably uh, prove prove key here. Uh, any others worth mentioning? Cool blood on Turf Rocket for sure, with a more than ready out of a Cantheros Dam uh, or mare, I should say, or dam. I, I was right the first time coming out of that Crimson <laughs> Advocate race, um, which was so impressive. One I wanted to give a, at least a long look at in the paddock. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair for sure. She she ran evenly first time out, and uh, obviously behind good fillies. And she she could improve second time. Maybe a bit of a, a price to throw in there. Um, underneath would be Pink Whitney, the Liam's Map filly for Doug O'Neill. She just ran evenly first time on Dirt Ellis. Uh, I'd expect her to improve second time on turf. What do you think of the Liam's Maps generally on on turf to this point? I mean, certainly you got Scat Daddy on the bottom, which which stands out as one that may may well be suited for it. But any any lean one way or the other with Liam's. Map. Yeah, no, we've, we've seen his progeny um, run on both surfaces. One of maybe his more well-known uh, progeny though is Colonel Liam. Uh, Colonel Liam has a big bottom side uh, turf pedigree, but, but he's a very, was a very good turf runner. And we just saw a fully called roses for Deborah as well. When the caress here last weekend at Saratoga, right. she's a daughter of Liam's map and, and she's uh, a very, very uh, up and coming good turf runner. So they can they can get it done on either surface, especially you know so much uh, of a horse's uh, preference for surface comes from that bottom side. And there is some some uh, turf inklings uh, on the bottom side of this Phillies pedigree. No doubt, no doubt. That's a, that is interesting. That's that's an old saw that still holds in terms of um, looking more at the female side of the pedigree when it when it comes to grass. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if the equation adds up of, uh, a stallion that, that can be proficient on turf and then there's turf, plenty of turf influence on the bottom side, uh, then, then it's, uh, generally, generally makes some sense, but, you know, you can look at obviously, um, in PPs and something like formulator, you can look at, uh, stallion stats too, and you can look at the, the turf stats for each stallion. So that's a, uh, for the handicappers out there, that's something that uh, can be very beneficial to use. I'm glad you mentioned that because I feel like the the misconception that these races, these two-year-old races, and anytime there's first-time starters, that it's just some benefit for insiders. I mean, yes, it helps to, to be able to go out and, and look at them as Ben was doing this morning. And I mean, I'm not going to say that's not worth anything. It's worth, it's worth 
lot, but it's also yeah. worth a lot to have a tool like Formulator where you can go through and at the click of a button, look at all the dams produce and see what they did early and look at all these stats. And, you know, sometimes the market will over, often the market will overrate what the, the insiders think is going to happen in these races. And just like with any other race, you can then find prices due to your own hard work and, and diligence. So, you know, I, I love betting on these races. It's the most fun when you can then take all the stuff that we're doing on a show like this and then go see them in the paddock. But yeah. even if you're just playing on paper, I, I think it's a misconception that these races are somehow unfair or tilted towards industry people. What would what would you say as, as somebody who is one of those industry people? No, there's there's plenty of uh, plenty of information um, available to the public if they want to, you know, maybe turf, maybe to, uh, baby races in general take a bit more um, work than the the average race. You know, there's. Um, we'll hear it plenty of plenty of times over this over the summer. People are talking about XVTV. You can go and uh, they have uh, lots of breeze videos available on uh, from Delmar and from Saratoga. There's the clocker, many different clocker reports you can uh, purchase online from different sources. And then, like you said, you can look at the what the dam did as a racehorse, what the what she's done as a producer so far. See the siblings to these horses. Um, it's a puzzle, just like any other race. Let's move to Sunday to talk about more stakes action from Monmouth, where we've got the Tyro, basically the boys' version of the other race that we talked about, going five furlongs. And uh, the horse that I wanted to ask you about, there was misconceptions about this runner, No Name Mets. This horse was in that sale ahead of Ascot, and the hammer dropped at 800000 So everybody just assumed the horse was sold, but the horse didn't make the reserve at 800000 that tells me something, at least, about how much they uh, wanted to hang on to this. The Bregman uh, family wanted to hang on to this no-name Mets. I think at the price he's going to be, I'm probably going to try to look elsewhere. But I feel like the conversation should start with no-name Mets and, and at least the clear enthusiasm that the, uh, that the ownership group has for this one. And again, we talked about George Weeper before and the year, the year he's having. But what do you think about no-name Mets in this spot attracting Paco Lopez? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned him RNA at the, the sale over there right before Ascot. It's not the first time he hasn't met his reserve uh, this year. He actually breezed at the Obase April sale, uh, went through the ring and failed to meet his reserve there, um, went to Goldstream a month later, less than a month later, and broke his maiden. Um, that was pretty impressive. That was a lot for a young horse to take to do all that in less than a month. Um, you know, Ascot didn't work out, and it's interesting to see he's – George is clearly very happy with the way he's doing because he's coming back pretty quickly, less than, you know, only five weeks from running at Ascot. He's, he's back in the entries. So he must be very happy with how he's doing. Uh, he's a very good looking horse. He, he seems to carry plenty of flesh. So, you know, from a gambling perspective, you might want to take him on. Um, but, but also won't be surprised when he handles his field quite easily. And you th- and you think that's more likely? You think this this he's more li- as likely to win as not in this spot? Well, it's a good question. You know, it's a matter of if you want to bet the race. I think it's it's going to come down to price. He, he's five to two morning line. I I would be pretty surprised if he's anywhere near that. I would say it'll be closer to even money or something around there. So if if you do want to take him on, trying to come up with the alternative. Um, you know, the, there's horses coming in from every which direction to this race, whether it be 
um, breaking their maiden on dirt, breaking their maiden on turf. Uh, you have the runner from Mike Maker who broke his maiden on turf and then was second to uh, Gold Sweep in the Tremont, number 11, Ship Cadet. Uh, he beat a uh, horse that came back and win uh, for George Weaver, Twisted Filigree, first time out. So uh, it is interesting that uh, Mike Maker ran him on turf first time. Uh, so he would we would say from that that he thinks this is a turf horse. Tough draw out in 11, but if you're looking to take on Nona Nets, maybe that's the horse with uh, two runs under his belt and looks like he is better on turf. Please advise the other weaver, I think, worth at least mentioning in this spot. If only on the old angle, why enter two when one would do? And I thought that was a pretty uh, pretty rock-solid race first out from this one. Do you give please advise any count? I do, yeah. He uh, He's well-related. George has had a lot of success with with foals out of the mare. He trained the mare, uh, and he this horse is a half to a, a few good turf runners as well. And uh, it's interesting, He's no rider is named on him. So I wonder, you know, when trainers do that, when they enter two in one race, oftentimes they're going to scratch one and it might be the one with, with no rider that's named. But we'll see if, if a rider is named on race day. And he did beat uh, Noted, who came back to win the uh, long turf maiden up here at Saratoga for Todd last weekend. So the forms come back okay. That's a great point. And I would say, you know, big vote of confidence then for Nona Metz if they do end up scratching, which certain barns more than others. I think of that as an angle with Ward a lot when there's two entered and one gets scratched. It's usually it feels like the, the ROI goes up on the runner that remains in the race. Not an angle I associate with George, but may well be something to to pay attention to. And I'm remembering now the story about the Nona Metz name that I'll throw in there because I always thought it was weird that an Houston Astro had a horse named No Name Mets. But I think I was wondering if uh, Alex Bregman was was uh, trolling. Uh, we downtrodden Mets fans. But I think it had to do, I, I think there was may, perhaps some uh, per, perhaps some expectation that at that April sale that uh, Mike Rapoli was going to be a big Mets fan. Uh, Orange and Blue Silks was going to be uh, purchasing this one. And when it didn't happen, maybe that led to the, the No Name Mets name. I, I think I heard some story about that. That's very good. How's how's your season as a Mets fan going, Pete? Oh man, it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. Um, you know what? It's it's it, it happens. Last year was so good until the end that uh, you know sometimes sometimes you need to uh, get these kicked in the teeth seasons. I, I wonder how much of a full sell off they're going to be doing. Trading Robertson certainly indicates that they may be sending off some other parts, and it's honestly the right move. Let's regroup and and see if we can uh, get them next year. Who do you root for in baseball? There's always next year, right? There's always yes. next year. Um, I, I don't necessarily have a team, but I, uh, as living in Lexington now, uh, I've developed a uh, about a month old long uh, <laughs> affinity for the Cincinnati Reds uh, as good they're choice. having a good year. They're actually a, a very fun watch, and they have a lot of fun oh. players, uh, including Ellie De La Cruz. My my month long uh, <laughs> Reds fandom is is going well so far. That's tremendous. All right, great stuff. We're going to get this. I want to get this show out there in the world so people can listen before these races actually happen. But fantastic talking to you. You're a wealth of knowledge. Hopefully, um, we help people along in their wagering. Before we get out of here, any any latest messaging we want to get out there from our uh, friends at Gainsway? What's been going on? Any, anything new in the last couple of weeks? We've we've got a, a, a big next few weeks coming up with the, the two sales up here in Saratoga. Um, we'll have 
um, on uh, the Monday and Tuesday after the Whitney, August 7th and 8th. Uh, we'll have a group of 15 selling at the at the open select sale. And we're also, we have a few uh, McKinsey's in our consignment, and we also will see them in other consignments as well. Pretty excited for people to see the first yearlings um, by McKinsey, and it's fun to see them on a weekend in which he was very successful a few years ago. One of his crowning achievements during his racing career, a, a very uh, impressive Whitney, um, and I expect him to have a big, big Saratoga Select sale this year. Maybe we'll do a little bit of a, we'll try to get a little bit of a preview in next week, whether it's on here or on our In the Ring Pedigree podcast, talk a little bit more specifically about uh, who you've got in there. And I, I'd love to take a stroll around the the, 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 the barns with you and, and take a look at some of these babies, because I'm hearing, I'm hearing very good things, especially about these McKinsey's. Yeah. F- fun thing about this sale is it's, it's such a select group of horses, just over 200 horses, and uh, even even the average fan who you know doesn't is not that familiar with the blood sack industry, they're gonna notice and, and recognize plenty of the dams names and plenty of the siblings names. Uh, so it's a very fun sale to watch. Great stuff. All right, we'll be back next week. Thank you, my friend. Thanks to all of our friends over there at Gainesway, and to all of you for listening. Until the next time, may the hammer drop your way.